China has its own version of Amazon.com. Uh, their version is not related at all, but it's called AliExpress. And uh, you can go on there and find a lot of things uh, for a relatively affordable price. The trick is uh, it's going to be slow shipping from China. It takes three to four weeks uh, to get to the United States. Well, I was looking on that website with my boys. We're looking at some neat things. And uh, my son, Luke, uh, decided he wanted to order something from AliExpress, see how it works and, and, and see how all that goes. And so they have these wireless little earphones that connect to his iPod so he can listen to music, not have the wires. And so uh, he used his own money to order that. And uh, I said, now, Luke, it's going to be about three to four weeks, okay? So we got to be patient with this. And uh, for an 11-year-old, he did really well. Uh, he only asked me a few times, Dad, you know, when's it coming? Do you think it'll be today? And uh, so did a great job with that. Uh, and finally, uh, they arrived, and they're working well so far. Uh, but what was interesting is just observing how patient he could be in that waiting process as he continues to mature uh, into young adulthood. And so I think in our own lives, we all know what it's like to ask some of those questions. When's it going to happen? How long is it going to take? Obviously, you know, from children going to uh, a long trip in the car, we, we hear that. But in our own lives, I think we ask questions like that. And sometimes we ask those questions to God. Um, you know, it's NCAA tournament time. When's my team going to win a championship? That would be great for that to happen. Uh, or maybe it's, when am I going to meet Mr. Right or Miss Right? When is the big day going to happen where I might uh, get married? Or, you know, when am I going to ever finally graduate from school? Or when will I get into the school of my choice? Uh, and, and sometimes maybe it can be really heavy stuff. Um, when are these school shootings in our country going to stop? Uh, when are these natural disasters that we read about and hear about uh, all across the world, even in the United States, floods and hurricanes and cyclones, as Pastor Nancy prayed, when, when's that going to stop? Um, some really hard questions, I think, that we wrestle with sometimes. When am I going to feel better? Uh, when is someone that I love going to feel better or get better? And uh, when are we going to see an end to racism or sexism or any ism that you can think of? Just, you know, it's the 21st century. When are people going to wake up and, and really just, you know, grow up and get over some of this stuff and move forward? Or maybe it's a spiritual question. You know, when am I going to stop acting in ways that I know are just wrong, that hurt my relationships with other people or hurt my relationships with God? When, when am I going to really establish a loving personal relationship with God? When, how long is it going to take for me to mature as a Christian or as a spiritual person. And so I, I think we really wrestle with some of these things. And I think part of it has to do with aspiration. We all aspire for things, right? This ongoing desire that, that we want to become something that we're not or to receive something that we haven't yet received. I aspire to be a great writer. I aspire to be a great preacher. I aspire to get into this school. I aspire to get married. I aspire to, to help people who are in a tough situation. What is it, brothers and sisters, that you aspire to be or aspire to do or aspire to see happen? And, and we hang on to that aspiration. And if it doesn't get fulfilled, if, if, it, if there's something that stalls that or gets in the way and, and delays our uh, being able to aspire to something, then I think that our aspiration can become frustration. And we get, we get fed up and we ask the question, when or, or how long? And, and sometimes that frustration, when it's not met, then becomes desperation. And we really get into a bad place where we're really fervently wanting to know when's it going to happen or how long is it going to happen? And, and maybe the next question that we then ask is, well, where's God in all this? If God's on our side, if God's good, 
I've been waiting. I've been waiting for a long time, and it's just not working out. So where is God? When is it going to happen? How long must we wait? Brothers and sisters, in your life right now, have you moved from aspiration to frustration? Or maybe you just skipped the frustration that you're at desperation, and you want to know the answer. You want to know when, you want to know how long, you're ready to find out where God is in your life right now when something has not transpired that you believe should have transpired. If you are struggling with something like that, then you're in the right place today because we're going to wrestle with that. And if you're in a good place, that's awesome. But I hope that what you hear today will help you when you get into the place where some of us are, where we're asking those hard questions and we're struggling with our faith and we want to know when something's going to happen. So let's jump into the Bible today because I think it has some very important things to teach us. We're going to be in the Old Testament. We're just going to be in one chapter today in the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of the Bible. Uh, Psalms are songs that were written by everyday people like you and me. And what's beautiful about the Psalms is the people in the Psalms express their true feelings to God. Sometimes those are good feelings. Sometimes those are not good feelings. Sometimes they're just frustrating feelings. And so today we're going to be in the book of Psalms chapter 42. And this is probably taking place somewhere around 500 years before Jesus was born. Somewhere in that time range, what's happened about 587 years before Jesus was born, uh, the, the land of Israel was conquered by an outside na- a nation, the nation of Babylon. And the Babylonians came in and they, they killed a lot of people. They took a lot of people into captivity back into Babylon. They wrecked the capital city of Jerusalem. They tore down the temple, the holy place where people worship God. Uh, And in these times, people really believed that God's presence was in the temple where they went to worship. And to worship God, you can only do that in the temple. And so when the temple was destroyed, it caused a great theological struggle for the people of Israel. How can we worship God without a place to worship God? How can we worship God when He's not at home anymore, when His home has been destroyed? Where is God? Has He abandoned us? Is, Is He even anywhere that we can contact Him now? Because We don't have a place to worship. It was that serious. Only one place to worship God. Only one place where the presence of God was believed to be. That was the temple. It's destroyed. It's gone. And so this person who's writing this psalm, this song is really wrestling with, how can I worship? And so we pick up the story today in Psalm 42 uh, with verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? When modern Christian music started coming on the scene uh, many years ago, one of the songs was, As the Deer Pants for the Water. Right? It's one of the very earliest songs. I can't stand that song. <laughs> it's just so sappy. Uh, I'm not going to try to sing it for you. But, but it comes from this psalm, and it's a, it's a beautiful kind of saying. It's like, as the deer's thirsty for water, I'm thirsty for you, God. Right? The song might stink, but the psalm is cool. God, I'm thirsty for you. How can I worship you when there's no temple? I, I, I don't know how to quench this thirst anymore. And so the psalmist is just crying out to God, wanting to know how they can worship. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where's your God? I can't eat anything other than my tears. I, I, I'm so wanting to worship you. All I can do is cry. And so all my, my nourishment is coming from my tears. And then others are mocking me saying, where is your God? 
So most likely some Babylonians are saying, ha, how can you worship your God, right? Where is he? Has he taken a vacation? Has he gone to the bathroom? You know, where is your God, right? And so the psalmist is, is, is wrestling with this. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Man, we used to have some great worship. We loved to go into the temple and, and there would be national festivals where people from all over Israel would go and it'd be like a party atmosphere and just uh, everybody would be making this pilgrimages and we'd be singing songs. We'd come into the temple, we would worship and it would just be a, a beautiful experience. Oh, how I miss those days when we used to worship you, God. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar. The, the psalmist is, is trying to talk himself into some hope. It's going to get better. I've got to believe it's going to get better. We're going to be able to worship God again. There's some way the temple's going to come back. I've, I've got hope in that. And so now I'm not in Jerusalem, but I'm going to remember God and I'm going to hold out hope that we can worship God again. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now, let's hang on to this verse for a minute. There's a couple of different interpretations. One way that you might have heard this is deep calls out to deep. There's something deep inside of us that calls out to the deep in God, and, and God wants to be in this deep spiritual connection. And I believe that's true, and, and I, I think we can read the Scripture that way. But there's also another way to read this Scripture. It's kind of like saying, God, it's like the oceans and the rivers and the waterfalls of the whole world. They're pummeling me. Like I'm the rock and, and the waters are coming down and they're crashing on me and, and I am utterly defeated and, and I, I'm at my breaking point, God. The oceans have conspired against me and they're, they're crushing me, Lord, and I don't know what to do. By day, the Lord directs His love. At night, His song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. The psalmist is trying to just grasp onto any way to connect to God that they can. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all the day long, where is your God? God, I, I can't take it anymore. I need to have an answer. How long is this going to go on? Where are you? When's it going to be any better? People are, are they're trash talking me spiritually. Lord, I, I can't take it anymore. I need to worship you. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. One day I will worship again. I still have that hope. One day the light is going to come. But I think the psalmist realizes while they hold out hope for the future right now, they're in the darkness. They're in the darkness and they're just being honest with God. This is not a good place for me to be. When's it going to change? How long is it going to be? Where are you, God? The light's coming. The hope's coming. I believe that, but, but here I am. How many of us are, are, are feeling like that psalmist today? John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement that, that came out of the Anglican Church in England back in the 18th century, uh, has done a lot for the world in, in creating the Methodist movement. Millions of people have come to Christ, and, and yet he had his own dark moments in his life. He came to the American colonies before we were a country, and he tried to evangelize to the colonists who were here, the Native Americans who were here, and just had a terrible time doing that, and no one you know, really responded to his message. 
he had a failed relationship here that uh, maybe he thought would lead the marriage, but it didn't. And so he was going back to England very dejected. And he was on the boat back to England and some storms came up and he feared for his life. He used to have faith in God to take care of him, but now he'd failed as an evangelist. He'd failed in romance and and now his faith was failing him. And there were other Christians who were calm and singing hymns and he was scared for his life and he came back to England and, and he pretty much had lost his faith. And one of his friends said to him, John, you, you've got to keep doing what you're doing. You've got to keep preaching. You've got to keep teaching. You've got to keep serving God. You've got to keep doing it until your faith is restored. And eventually, thanks be to God, his faith was restored at a place called Aldersgate. He said that his heart was strangely warmed by God and it set him on fire and it led to the Methodist movement coming to America and again, millions of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But before all that happened, he was in a dark, dark place and he'd lost his faith and, and, and he tried to go through the motions and he hoped something would be in the future that would be well. But in, in the meantime, I think he wrestled with when's something going to change? How long must I go through this? Where are you, God? And if that can be true of the psalmist, if that can be true of our, the founder of our faith, right, the, what, the Wesleyan faith, then I think it can be true of us as well. And, you know, when, when we're going through hard times, we always want to jump to the good. And I think that's healthy. And I think that gives us hope. And there's a lot of hope in the Bible if, if we're in a bad place right now. In Romans uh, chapter 8 in the, in, in the New Testament uh, and, and elsewhere, uh, the Apostle Paul says that in all things God works together for good for those who love Him. So when we're in a, a dark place, God's at work in our life trying to bring good back into our lives. God's not causing the bad things to happen. right? It doesn't take away our pain, but we can have faith that God's with us and, and is working to bring good into our life. Or like we talked about last week, when we're in a difficult spot, we can stop and thank God for the good things that are happening in our lives. We can look back in our life and see how God has come through for us time and time again. And and we take comfort in that. And I, I believe that to be true. And that's a powerful message. I think also in the meantime, sometimes God prompts us to get involved. Right? Rather than waiting on God to, to, to take care of our every need, that, that we need to be an actor in this. That if we want to feel healthier or be well, that you know we need to exercise. We need to stop certain habits. We need to start eating a healthy way. There's some things that we can control. There's some things we can't control, but for the things that we can control, instead of waiting on God, maybe we can partner with God and, and do our part to do that. Sometimes when we're in a bad place, we have hope that we're not alone, that God's with us and that God has put other people in our lives. And, and, and so there's so much that if we're in a difficult spot right now that we can feel good about and we can have hope for. And, and that's all awesome. But I think sometimes we jump to the positive too soon. And we don't acknowledge the pain that we're experiencing. We don't acknowledge the frustration or the desperation that we're in. And we kind of kind of push it down or we put it off and we don't deal with it, but it's going to come back and it's going to come back with a vengeance. And so sometimes I think we need to we need to just kind of be in the gunk. We need to be in the junk. We need to churn. John Wesley had to go through a time of churning. The psalmist had to go through a time of, of churning. Sometimes we just have to go through a time of churning and it's no fun. And it's not great. It's not the spiritual high that we want, but sometimes that's just life. Counselors tell us that, you know, if we take these emotions, these, these pressure cooking emotions that are going on inside of us where we've moved from aspiration to frustration to desperation, that, that if we don't deal with them, 
we're going to kind of channel them inwardly and, and they're going to come down deep inside of us and it's going to lead us into depression. And at some point, they're going to come back out. Sometimes it's going to be a slow kind of a fade. It's kind of a, a burnout kind of a sensation of, of an apathy of I just, I just don't care anymore. And sometimes it's going to build up and it's going to come out in a, in a, in a flame out kind of a way where we're going to be aggressive. You know, Maybe that's passive aggressive in how we deal with, with other people and I bless their heart as we're stabbing them in the back. Or it's going to come out in a, in a dangerous way where we lose it, where we, we, we yell at work or we yell at our families or we yell at, you know, we go postal, right? That's, that's the reason some of these people are walking into schools and, and workplaces with guns is because they haven't processed this stuff. And so it's going to come back out in one form or another. So what? So what do we do about it? What's the Bible teaching us? What can we learn from the psalmist today? What would God have us to do when we have moved from aspiration to frustration to desperation? I think the so what that the psalmist is trying to teach us today is express yourself before you wreck yourself. Express yourself before you wreck yourself. Yes, there's good stuff to look forward to. There's good stuff to look at right now, but sometimes it just stinks where we are. And we wrestle with that. And so sometimes we just need to let our guard down and to be honest with God. I know a lot of times we think that we have to go to God with, you know, long flowery prayers and speak in King James English and uh, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes we just got to be real with God. Just like the psalmist is real with God today. And and we talk about in, in this series of guarded, letting down our guard of, of one word practices where we can just practice some, some, some space with God. I think, you know, the main key word today that I would invite you this week, the, the word of the week would be when. When, God, is something going to change? When is, is something going to happen, God? When is it? When is it? Right? And a related phrase to that is how long? Right? How long must we sing this song? And we are in Psalm chapter 42 today. If you go back to Psalm chapter 40, there's another psalmist who's struggling and he's saying, how long do we have to do this, right? The rock band U2 made a song based on Psalm 40 and one of the lyrics says, how long must we sing this song, right? They're mad about violence in the world and about people being killed. How long, Lord, must we put up with this? How long must we keep singing this song again and again and again? How long, Lord? And another great question to ask, where are you, God? Where are you? I know you're here. I know you're supposed to be here, but I'm waiting and I need to know that you're here. Where are you? It, it is okay for us to express this kind of stuff to God. And sometimes it's going to be with a groan. Sometimes it's going to be whiny. Sometimes it's going to be angry. We're going to talk about that next week. Can we be angry at God? Sometimes it's just going to be out of fear. Sometimes it's just going to be out of exhaustion. God, when is something going to change? When, God? How long, God? Where are you, God? I need to know that you're with me and something good is going to happen. Got a pretty cool picture I want to show you from uh, down the street for our construction that's going on. Children's Klein Properties is started their work on, on, on the church property, and uh, you can see how far it's come, and it's just really cool. You see the big dirt mound there. That's where our church is going to be, and we're super excited about that. We're, we're working right now um, on groundbreaking plans, a groundbreaking ceremony. We're going to be sharing all those details with you very soon. It's going to be a very exciting time in the life of our church to come and, and have the groundbreaking ceremony, put the shovels in the dirt and all that good kind of stuff, and so be on the watch for that. But you think about when and how long. This has been a long time coming, hasn't it? 
You can say amen to that. <laughs> it's uh, six years we've been working on this. Six years, and uh, it's been an exciting venture. It's, it's, it's been full of ups and downs and highs and lows and, and, and joy and, and tears. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, we've we, we just gotten frustrated, right? It's taken six years to do this major project, and we, there have been all these delays from the cell phone tower that we were leasing on our church property to the, the dispute about a strip of land, do we own it or not, uh, to you know, delays in closing, and it just, you know, kept, you know, going on and on and on and on and on. In my own prayer life, I've, I've always tried to stay positive in this six-year process, and, you know, I'm the leader of this. I believe God's given us this vision, and I need to be positive with the congregation, but I'll be honest with you, there are some points in my relationship with God over the past six years where I'm like, God, you've got to be kidding. Can you throw me a bone here? I mean, we're trying to do your work in your community, and it's very difficult. And, and so, you know, is this resistance because we're on the right path or the wrong path? And I believe it's the right path. And, you know, come on, God, when's, when's it going to happen? How long is it going to take? And where are you? And people are upset, and they're asking questions, and there's pressure. And, you know, and I, I, and I believe it's going to happen. I know it's happening, but there's moments in my life I'm like, come on, God, you've got to be kidding. But it's in those moments that I think I really drew closer to God, and 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 not knowing those answers, I just all I had to all I had all I could do was just to trust God. But to be honest, to say God, I'm I'm hurting here, I got to lead a congregation here, and I, I need you to throw me a bone. But sometimes there was silence and darkness, and I knew the light was coming, and I just had to get it out and churn and know that God was with me. And to trust that God would get us, get me through. Brothers and sisters, you know what that's like. Do, do you feel that? And a lot of times it feels like a void inside of us, like this, like this black hole is just sucking the life out of us. And, and, and a void is, a, is, a, is not a fun place to be. But you know, philosophers have said interesting things about voids, that it's more than just an absence of something, that in a void there can be the opportunity for something new. And avoid there can be an opportunity for even power for, for good things to happen. For example, a sponge couldn't absorb moisture without there being a void. Air without a void would not have the power to make sound. Air without a void wouldn't have the power to let us have scent transferred across the air, right? So without a void, we wouldn't be able to hear anything or smell anything. So in the void, there can be potential and there can be power and there can be hope. Without space in the world or in the universe, there's no room to move forward. And so if we're feeling that we're in the void our aspiration has turned to frustration, has turned to desperation. To we're just, when God? How long, God? Where are you, God? In that void is the hope that there's going to be future movement and that there's going to be something that changes for the good. So brothers and sisters, I invite you this week to be honest with God. If you're struggling with something, if you're waiting on something, to be honest with God. And i got to be honest with you. Sometimes we're going to wait and we're never going to get what we want. For whatever reason, we're never going to get it. And that's a hard, that's a hard one to deal with. Sometimes we're going to wait and we're going to get it. 
We're going to get what God has for us that's good, but it's going to be a long time, and we don't know when it is. And so today, I just would encourage you this week to practice. When, God? How long, God? Where are you, God? To hold out the hope, to look at the good things that are here now, but not to short-circuit. Just sometimes we got to get this junk out, right? we got to live in the void. Express yourself before you wreck yourself. So what we're going to do for like a couple minutes right now, I'm going to just give you some space. I'm going to give you a void in this space, in this space of worship. Thanks be to God, we have our temple here to worship God. I encourage you right now, express yourself before you wreck yourself. Ask God some hard questions. When? How long? Where are you? And let's just, let's just be in the void right now here together. Let's pray as you feel that. When, God? How long, God? Where are you, God? Thank you for being our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.